What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Wednesday, August 19th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletic Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts. Beantown Athletics, the only in-house union screen printer in Boston, specializing in custom uniforms and business apparel. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Beantown Athletics. And on Instagram, swing by the shop on Granite Ave in Dorchester or give them a call, 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. And make sure you tell them I sent you. So busy day, uh, as you know, if you've been listening to the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon because I've been giving you the updates since 6 a.m. And that's why uh, today's podcast is a little bit later than usual. Same thing as yesterday. I've been at WEI work in the last couple days. Uh, a great event, uh, a tremendous cause. So I'm here now, though, in the studio at Beantown Athletics, putting out this podcast for you. And let me tell you about yesterday's podcast, if you did not listen. By the time I got into the studio... Uh, the story was that Tom Brady did not practice yesterday with the Patriots at Gillette Stadium because it was Deflategate settlement hearing related. And we were told that Brady was all in on going uh, to the federal court in New York City today for this Wednesday settlement hearing. And when I recorded the podcast yesterday, that was the news. Now, last night and after I recorded it, we found out that Brady ended up flying to West Virginia to meet the team for their joint practices against the New Orleans Saints. For whatever reason, Brady did not go to today's settlement hearing. He was not there. He was not required to be there. Um, And what we heard was that Brady was not too happy with how he left the meeting that he had yesterday in New York City based on this whole Deflategate suspension and the appeal. Him and Goodell, you know, they were in the room yesterday with the lawyers, and Brady was not happy with how that went down. I don't know what went on in that room yesterday. But the news, it was, you know, was back and forth yesterday. At first, we heard that Brady was going to be at the settlement hearing today and that he was not going to be take part in the joint practices uh, against the New Orleans Saints, with the New Orleans Saints in West Virginia. And then, later at night, we heard that he was going to West Virginia, that he was, he was not going to be at the settlement hearing today. Well, we wake up today, we get to the settlement hearing, we find out Brady is not there. He did practice with the team today, and I guess you could look at that and say, that's good news that he's practicing with the team. I had my questions, and you've heard me the last couple days, weeks even, when it came to would Brady be at both of these things, and I said I think he has to be. I think when you go all in... I would, I would expect you to be, even if you're not required to be there, to be at every hearing uh, that is open to the public at least, right? So, but Brady was not there. And now that we get the reports as to what went on inside this courtroom today, because we didn't get the live play-by-play tweets that we were getting for the first one, that's for sure. But we still got some people like Tommy Curran from Comcast Sportsnet New England did a great job throughout the hearing today, leaving the courtroom, coming back in, getting some information, leaving the courtroom, dishing out the information again. Um, you know, him and the boys at CSNNE.com were working hard to get the stories out to you, and we read them. And basically, once it was over, you know, a lot of people who were in the room and wanted to you know, wait until afterwards to give us the information. We started to get the information from everybody. And based on the information that we have compiled as to what went on today in this settlement hearing with Brady not there, with Brady practicing with his team in a joint practice situation against the Saints or with the Saints in West Virginia as they get ready for their preseason game on Saturday night in New Orleans, um, the, the information that we get is that Judge Richard Berman absolutely crushed the NFL once again and absolutely crushed NFL lawyer Daniel Nash once again now that's what we get afterwards let let's let's back it up a little bit and get to before the hearing the news that was coming out before the hearing because new it's been all over the place in the last 24 hours with this settlement conference and with the whole settlement situation before the hearing today we had a report from ESPN's Adam Schefter that Tom Brady would accept 
some type of suspension as long as the reason was he failed to fully cooperate, okay? Because we had heard that the NFL, they wanted Brady to accept the findings of the Wells report, and obviously we know that's not going to happen. The report going into today's hearing from Adam Schefter, ESPN, who is a very well-connected reporter, as you know, he reported Tom Brady would accept some type of suspension as long as it meant the reason for accepting the suspension or the reason for the suspension was because he failed to fully cooperate. Now, we then get Mike Florio, pro football talk, right after that, almost minutes, I think maybe a half hour later, at the latest. He has a report basically confirming what Adam Schefter reports, but he gives, you know, Mike Florio expanded on it a little bit, gave some more details, and he said, not only is Brady going to possibly accept the suspension if, you know, they come out and say it's because he failed to fully cooperate, but he'll accept a one-game suspension. But it, but it needs to be this, under the same provision that it's going to be, the suspension will be not because he accepts the findings of the Wells report, but because Brady did not fully cooperate. That would, those are the reports. Now, we find out. Those are league sources. That's the league leaking that. And I don't know what that does anymore. Like, I don't know what the leaks do for each side anymore. I really don't. I, I honestly don't. Because the only thing that matters is what Judge Richard Berman thinks at this point. So then you get past those reports, you get into the hearing, you get some news trickling out during the hearing. Like people, as I mentioned, Tommy Curran, who were doing a nice job leaving the room, getting us some information throughout. And then you had all the information that came out and, you know, immediately after this hearing. And you compile all that info. And you see that, once again, Judge Richard Berman crushed the NFL. And I'll get to the things that he crushed them on in just a second. But the fact that we see he crushed the NFL leads me to believe that the reports Tom Brady would accept a one-game suspension might have been bullshit. Now, if you ask me my opinion and my thought process when I first heard those reports, I said, well, it's a little weird based on the fact that we know Judge Richard Berman crushed the NFL in the first hearing, and it did look like Berman was going to rely on the fact that the NFL even admitted they did not have any direct evidence that linked Tom Brady to the deflation of footballs, or at least the knowledge of the deflation of footballs, in that one specific AFC championship game. And Judge Richard Berman, in the last hearing, and even in this hearing today, continued to point out it's that one game. That is all that matters, the AFC championship game. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters in this situation. No other game and no other point in time during his career or the season did anything matter with regards to the deflated footballs. It was just the, the punishment is just about this game, okay? But we heard the NFL actually admit they don't have any evidence to link Tom Brady to this specific game. So, knowing that, you see this report, I say, well, that seems weird that they would accept something. And, and you know, then... You start to think, and, and I've, I guess I've sort of felt this way all along, and when I've had analysts come on this show uh, who, who say, you know what, I could see Brady accepting some type of suspension only to get this over with, I guess I can understand that because you, at the end of the day, you, as much as we think Richard Berman seems to be siding with the NFLPA and Tom Brady, we don't know for sure, right? We don't know for sure. And let's say Richard Berman comes down with a two-game suspension. Right? You know, would it, would it suit Brady better to, to accept a one-game suspension instead? Like, would that, would that be better for him? Well, I guess for the team and for the season. But, but all this talk about Brady's reputation. And, and, and I still think this. Richard Berman could cut this thing down to zero, and I think people have made up their minds on Deflategate. I do. I, I, I don't think the ruling or the, any type of admission of guilt by accepting a punishment or fighting to the bitter end, I don't think that, I don't think anyone's changing their mind here. You either defend Brady or you don't. You either respect Brady or you don't. You either think he cheated or you don't. You either think this is a big deal or you don't. I don't think the result of this is going to change anybody's fucking mind. I really don't. I really, honestly, I don't think people are going to change their mind. So this idea that, well, how's Brady going to look after? Brady looks the way he looks now, and that's not going to change, regardless of the result or how the result comes about. I, I honestly believe that. So if that is the case, 
you know, you could talk me into thinking that accepting a one-game suspension based on the provision that we heard in those reports isn't a crazy idea. Isn't a crazy idea. But then, of course, you get in to today's hearing and you get into some of the details as to what Richard Berman was once again grilling the NFL about and you come away with it thinking, why would you accept anything if you're Tom Brady, right? Why would you accept anything if you're Tom Brady? Well, first things first. The early report was Judge Richard Berman came out and said, here's the deal. I still encourage you guys to come up with a settlement, okay? But we're going to have one more hearing if you can't, and it's going to be on Monday, August 31st. And here's the, 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 the special part about this August 31st hearing is that Judge Richard Berman He's making it mandatory for both Brady and Goodell to show up. They have to show up to this one if they can't come to a settlement. I don't expect there to be any type of settlement. I don't. And I don't know what any type of leaks. I don't know how that helps either side. I think both sides are going to stick to their guns regardless of what type of stories they hear uh, that are leaked out to the public because all that matters is what happens in this courtroom. And what I see happen in this courtroom today is... I see, once again, Judge Richard Berman all over NFL lawyer Daniel Nash. All over him, once again. All over him. Berman says he needs evidence that Tom Brady was generally aware about any deflation scheme in the AFC Championship. So, he needs evidence that Brady was generally aware about this stuff in the AFC Championship. Those two things, general awareness and AFC Championship. There needs to be evidence for that. There's no evidence, and they point this out. Um, I'm reading from Tommy Curran, Comcast Sportsnet New England, who gives us sort of the back and forth from uh, NFL PA attorney and Tom Brady attorney Jeffrey Kessler, goes back and forth with the judge, and, and Kessler states that, quote, player policies say you can't be punished for being generally aware. And as Tommy Curran points out, uh, Berman nodded vigorously. Uh, Berman then asked, can Mr. Brady be fined under the equipment policy? Kessler answered, yes. But the generally aware problem trumps that. Berman replies, I read that, and I find that the general awareness doesn't relate to the January 18th game. To which Kessler said, outstanding observation. So they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth in the courtroom agreeing that, the, that basically the Wells report has general awareness and AFC championship game, there is nothing there with those two things and, and any evidence that those two things are connected it just, with Tom Brady. They don't have, because the NFL doesn't have it. Again, we go back to this. They don't have enough direct evidence. They don't. And, and they're sort of, once again, Berman and Kessler and the NFLPA, they're acknowledging this today. Uh, Berman then wanted to know, he says, he asked, quote, and he's asking Daniel Nash, NFL lawyer, Judge Richard Berman asks, next time someone tampers with a ball but cooperates, what type of suspension will he get? <laughs> now, Daniel Nash says, well, I, I think I'll uh, defer to, to Roger Goodell on that one. It's, you know, he's the commissioner. He makes the punishments. So, uh, basically, the judge wanted to know how much of the, sp the four-game suspension in the NFL's eyes, because the NFL keeps coming back and saying, well, there's a lack of cooperation. Well, the judge wants to know how much is this suspension, how much does it have to do with deflating footballs and the scheme that you say, and how much of it has to do with uh, the lack of cooperation? Like, is it two games for lack of cooperation? Is it three games for lack of cooperation? Is it one game for lack of cooperation? Like, what is it? And he says, next time someone tampers with a ball but cooperates, what type of suspension will he get? And, and Nash had no good answer for that. Uh, Berman then said he does not believe that deflation in footballs, whether legal or illegally, is equal punishment to PEDs or using masking agents. Uh, Berman then grilled Daniel Nash on why Brady's team was not allowed to call NFL General Counsel Jeff Pash as a witness during Brady's appeal. How about that? So they, they started to get into the whole uh, Jeff Pash, you know, why couldn't he testify? Here's what Berman said. He asked, 
What's the problem having Pash testify? He edited the Wells report. Nobody else edited the Wells report. He was the co-lead on the investigation with Mr. Wells. Nash responded that Goodell felt Pash, quote, was not a relevant witness. How are you not a relevant witness? How? I don't understand that. So, Judge Berman has a problem with that. He has a problem that during the Brady appeal, uh, the NFLPA, Jeffrey Kessler, Tom Brady's team, they wanted, uh, they wanted Jeff Pash to testify. And the NFL, the NFL said no. The NFL said no. Uh, Berman says, quote, I believe some arbitration awards have been vacated because a witness was not allowed to be called without explanation. So there you go. So right then and there, that's a huge comment from the judge saying, let me read the quote again. He says, I believe some arbitration awards have been vacated because a witness was not allowed to be called without explanation. So in other words, because the NFL would would not let Jeff Pash, uh, NFL lead counsel, and the guy who edited the Wells report, they wouldn't let him testify during the Brady appeal when Brady's team wanted him to, and they, did, they, they wouldn't let him without explanation. Because of that, Judge Berman basically says, okay, um, I'm going to cut it down. We're going to be cutting this thing down just based on that alone. <laughs> so uh, they, there's just one little thing. And then Berman goes into the fairness procedure. He says there are some basic procedures of fairness that have to be followed. You've got to let someone make their case. You know, fairness in the Wells report. Was it fair? Of course it wasn't fair. The NFL already basically admitted in, this whole, in these whole court hearings that, that, that it was not an independent investigation. And the fact that the guy who edited, edited the Wells report, which was the result of that investigation, the guy who edited it, the NFL wouldn't even let him testify when the other side wanted him to. And Berman basically says there needs to be a fairness uh, a procedure of fairness here that, that you, the NFL, didn't follow. And you know what? Pass should have testified. You didn't give an explanation. So I'm going to knock this thing down based on that alone. And as we've mentioned, I'm also still trying to find the direct evidence that links Tom Brady, again, not to just the deflation of footballs and not to just the generally aware part or not even to just being part of a scheme. But those things I just said with the AFC Championship game, those, that doesn't exist. The evidence to that does not exist. And Berman and Kessler went back and forth on it, right? Berman replied, he said to Kessler, I, I read that and I find that the general awareness doesn't relate to the January 18th game, which is the AFC Championship. And Kessler responds, he says, outstanding observation. You're right, Your Honor, it doesn't. And that's why we're here and the NFL is no evidence and you should knock this thing down to zero, okay? So it's clear as to what we see today in the court for the second straight public hearing, Judge Richard Berman is siding with the NFLPA. He's siding with Tom Brady. And based on what I saw in this court hearing, whatever was reported before, whatever was reported before, look, you cannot convince me that Tom Brady and his team are willing to accept a one-game suspension. You just can't do it. You can't do it. So what happens next? We're going to have uh, uh, another hearing on August 31st. And when the first thing I do there is look at the Patriots' schedule. Now, August 31st is a Monday. The Patriots play their third preseason game the Friday before, three days before, on August 28th. They are in Carolina for a Friday night game at 730. Uh, and their final preseason game is thir- that following Thursday, September 3rd, at home against the Giants. So, look, Patriots get that Monday. Uh, Brady has to be there. It's mandatory. Goodell has to be there. It's mandatory. August 31st, we will be there. There will be no settlement. And when we are there, we're going to, you know, basically I expect much of the same. And at that point, you know, Judge Richard Berman, he even said it today. He says he's going to try to issue a ruling before September 4th if he needs to. But, quote, you can't hold me to it. <laughs> That's what he said, end quote. You can't hold me to it. Basically saying that, okay, September 4th is what? That is a 
Friday? What if he can't get the decision by then? It's Labor Day weekend. Uh, and last time I checked, the Patriots start the following week, the regular season, September 10th. So we, I, this isn't going to end today, tomorrow, the next day. I don't expect it to. And any report that is thrown out there that says one side's thinking about taking this, one side's thinking about taking that, I'm really not going to believe any of them. To the point where I don't even know why they leaked. Like, I don't even know why that stuff is even... Like, how does any side benefit from that? I don't understand. Are you just trying to sway public opinion? Because as I mentioned, that doesn't even make any fucking sense to me either because I think the public's already made up their mind on this whole case, regardless of the result. But it's just so interesting to me to see the judge continuously side with Brady, with Kessler, with the NFLPA on this and attack the NFL's lawyer and attack Roger Goodell and attack the Wells Report and attack the fairness of it now today and the generally aware part and basically say, I, have, I still can't find any evidence that leaks Brady with any of this stuff with the AFC championship game. And that's the biggest part. And in a court of law, here's the problem for the NFL. They don't have any direct evidence that's going to hold up. They have text messages. They have this whole failure to cooperate, this whole CBA procedural stuff. When at the same time, the punishment in the CBA doesn't fit the crime, the punishment that they handed out based on what it says in the CBA. So the, the, the NFL stuff, none of it connects to paint a picture that tells anyone in a court of law that Brady should be suspended four games. How many games should he be suspended for? Look, you know how I feel. It's zero. He should be suspended zero games. I, but again, I, you know, there are, clearly the judge still sees some flaws uh, in the NFLPA's argument. Not close to as many as he sees in the NFL. And maybe this is his, his goal. He's trying to persuade the National Football League to, to step down off their pedestal for a minute, to stop pounding their chest, to stop being so fucking stubborn and say, all right, we'll come down off this suspension. But it's going to need to stick at, you know, X amount of games. And then you get to, well, would Brady accept that? You know, I get what the judge's goal is right now, but I think one thing maybe the judge is doing when, when he keeps crushing the NFL is he's given the NFL PA, Tom Brady, and Jeffrey, Jeffrey Kessler more and more reasons to sit there and go, we're not accepting any deal. You, you, you continue to point out reasons why we shouldn't have any games here. And it's, this suspension should be zero. And you're pointing that out to us in these settlement hearings, Your Honor. Right? So we, where did we really go today? I, I think, you know, I think the, the biggest thing I learned is that we're going to have another settlement hearing. I, we did think that this would be the last one. We'll have another one. Um... And it, it, when is this going to end? I have no idea. Because if the judge makes a decision, right, and he cuts down a suspension, don't you think the NFL is, I mean, is the NFL going to appeal that? I believe at some point the NFL has the power to appeal something, don't they? Uh, this, you know, uh, my biggest fear is that I have to think about Deflategate every day for the rest of my life. It's... We're getting close. We're getting close to that being reality. Scary thought. Scary thought. Which is why I also love the fact that we had some Red Sox news today. And see, last night, you know, I had to get up at 4.30 this morning, of the last couple days, and uh, because you got to be in there. i got to have my whole sports update ready, ready to go. I'm on air at 6 a.m. So yeah, I'd like to get in there uh, a, a little before 5.30, 5.30-ish, you get up at 4.30, leave at 5, get in the studio, uh, throw together your sports update. And, uh, you know, when I see, the problem I had was my phone was going off like crazy at about, you know, I went to bed at like 9.30 last night, knowing I had to wake up at 4.30. I was exhausted from waking up at 4.30 the day before. I'm not used to getting up that early. So I, I, my phone's going off at like, I, I wake up to it at like 11.30 or midnight, I think. And I got a million text messages from friends. Uh, I got tweets rolling in like you read about. And 
it was it was all over the place because there was a fake report last night that Brady and the NFL had settled on a zero game suspension. I, now I don't know who this guy was that reported it, but people bought into it. I had friends that bought into it, right? Now that turned out not to be true. Uh, and I said I'm not believing any story anymore about any type of settlement because it's it's just not going to happen. It's it's just going to be Judge Berman making a decision. I'm not going to be fooled again. I was kind of fooled this morning, but look, I had to I had to add those reports from Schefter and Florio in the trending now. I had to. You know, those guys are respectable reporters, and when they get news, you know, you gotta you gotta at least mention it if they're going to report that stuff. Um. But, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night to all these texts, and, and it wasn't just Patriot stuff. It wasn't just the flake game. It, a lot of it had to do with the Red Sox. And the fact that the Red Sox last night in the eighth inning, now I probably fell asleep around the seventh. All right? I fell asleep around the seventh. Eddie Rodriguez was dealing for the Red Sox. Red Sox beat the Indians 9-1 at Fenway. Uh, in the eighth inning, the Red Sox made an official announcement that they had hired Dave Dombrowski, formerly of the Detroit Tigers. They have hired Dave Dombrowski as the new Red Sox president of baseball operations. They announced it in the eighth inning. They also announced that general manager Ben Sherrington was stepping down from his position. See, the Red Sox made a couple interesting moves. Lately, first they brought in Jerry Depoto as a consultant. Jerry Depoto, by the way, it's not like he's been out of the league for three, four years. He was the GM for the LA Angels up until this past July when he stepped down because he didn't like the way Mike Sosha and his coaching staff uh, refused to give out certain analytical scouting reports to his to his players. Right, Depoto, an analytics guy, Sosha, maybe all you know, just an old school baseball manager. Old school baseball skipper that relies on instincts, batting average, uh, you know, doesn't doesn't get in, you know, doesn't get into, you know, he goes with the matchups, goes with the old school baseball, doesn't get into too many analytic things when it comes to making decisions. The GM, Depoto, he didn't like that. He, he butt heads with uh, Mike Socha. Depoto stepped down. He steps down. What month later? Month and a half later, the Red Sox bring him in as a consultant. So. If I told you when they made that move, if I'm Ben Sherrington, I wouldn't like that. Now, today on WEI, uh, Sam Kennedy, new Red Sox president, who was a guest on this show before, actually sat in the very seat to my left in this very studio at Beantown Athletics about three months ago. And I even had him throw an F-bomb on this show. Sam Kennedy, Red Sox president. You saw him sitting up there today at the Dave Dombrowski introductory press conference at Fenway. Sam Kennedy to Dombrowski's left. Sam Kennedy was in here, in this studio, threw an F-bomb. Entertaining stuff. Go back in the archives and listen. Listen at dannypicard.com. Also subscribe on iTunes and really anywhere podcasts are available. But Sam Kennedy, he joined me in the studio for a good hour. And it's it, out of all the shows I've ever done, you know, my guest list, and, and they won't tell you in the business because they don't want to acknowledge my guest list, but it's pretty big. It's been pretty big over the years, over the last four or five years. And uh, the reason they don't want to admit it is because my guest list is arguably better than theirs, and I run a fucking podcast for free. All right? So they, nobody wants to admit that, the guests that I bring in. But Sam Kennedy was in studio, had him in here for an hour. We got into the dirty details of everything that happened this, this offseason. Uh, this was before he was named president, but he still had a very important position. I got him to throw an F-bomb. Not because he was mad at me. Believe me, it was an F-bomb in... In good faith, I guess we could call it. <laughs> Go back and listen. It's pretty, it's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. But anyway, Sam Kennedy said today on WEI that the decision to bring in Jerry Depoto as a consultant was Ben Sherrington's decision. Now, I laughed very hard at that comment. And I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to... They basically... What I get out of this whole thing, bringing in Dave Dombrowski as Red Sox president of baseball operations. And look, even Dombrowski said today at the press conference, he said, I I was hoping that Ben Sherrington would stay and be my GM. Now he says that. Does he believe it? Is he telling the truth? You want my opinion? And this is just my opinion. I think he's full of shit. 
And I think when Sam Kennedy said that today about uh, Ben Sherrington bringing in DePoto as a consultant, I think he's full of shit as well. There is no way that Ben Sherrington brought Jerry DePoto in to be his consultant. Again, as I said, it's one thing if DePoto was like Sherrington's boy and DePoto had been out of the league for three, four years and he wasn't even a GM. And, you know, Sherrington's helping get a guy who's a good baseball mind. He's, he's bringing him and helping him, having him join the team, make the team stronger, right? Yeah, Sherrington seems like a guy. He's got this baseball posse with him, doesn't he? He does. He's got these, you know, he's got, he's got a baseball posse, you know, a, a front office posse. And he just, ah, you know, he adds Jerry DePoto, a guy who's been out of the league for a few years. No, it's not that situation. Again, DePoto was a GM this season. Why would Ben Sherrington, whose team had finished in last place two years in a row, why would he bring in a guy to, to, who was a GM this season to be his consultant? That doesn't make any sense. There is no way Ben Sherrington brought him in. None. That is the Red Sox bringing him in, in my opinion. And then you get Dombrowski and he says, well, I wish, you know, I wish Ben Sherrington stayed. No, he doesn't. I Really? Really? Do the Red Sox wish Sherrington stayed? Really? <laughs> no way. They bring, look, and, and look, I don't have a problem with it. I've told you here many times. Ben Sherrington... What's, what you're seeing on this field right now, it's his fault. And I read a quote from Clay Buckholtz earlier who wanted to defend Ben Sherrington, and I can understand it. But look at Clay, don't call us stupid, okay? Because what he did is call people like myself stupid when he said that, this is what he said. He said, if you think what's happening to this Red Sox team is Ben Sherrington's fault, you're stupid, you're an idiot. Oh, really? See, that comment makes you look like a fucking idiot because that's a stupid comment. Because what I see with my own eyes, and you can't fool me with because I see it, is that the reason the Red Sox are no good the last two years is a talent issue. More importantly, this season. Major talent issue. You cannot lose Lester, Lackey, and come back this year and put this rotation together. And tell me that when it fails, it's not the GM's fault. It is the GM's fault. What we're seeing right now. Ben Sherrington... Absolutely. You know, I, people ask the question about John Farrell, and I keep telling you, right now he has more important things with his health than to worry about whether or not he's going to manage a baseball game ever again. He needs to, you know, get well, and I wish we wish John Farrell nothing but the best. And, uh, you know, dots and prayers go out to him and his family. He has more important things than baseball, John Farrell does right now. Much more important stuff than baseball. On, it, on his plate. And, and, but, but still, even before this you know, diagnosis with, with John Farrell, I, I've said from all season long, Farrell, yes, he's not a perfect manager, but what we're seeing is not his fault. This is a talent issue. It goes back to the GM. So, Sherrington stepping down, and I think that the Red Sox made moves to sort of push him out without telling him he had to go. Because if you're Sherrington... You're basically saying to yourself, all right, we got DePoto, consultant. Okay, we got Dombrowski. How many more fucking people are going to be looking over my shoulder? You know what? I can't do this anymore. You guys want me out? I'll leave. You're pushing me out? You're going to add someone else here to look over my shoulder? Who the fuck else are you going to add? That's what I... I'm, and I'm sure the meeting went down like... I don't think the meeting with Sherrington and the Red Sox front office and ownership. I don't think it went down today like... Or last, yes, last night with Sherrington going, well, let me think about it and I'll get back to you and I'll see what happens. No. Sherrington was probably like, are you guys fucking serious? You're going to bring him in? One, then you're going to bring him in? What, what other titles are you going to create to get guys to look over my shoulder? Anybody else? You want me to hire someone else for you to look over my shoulder? Fuck that. I'm out of here. Look, I'm gonna get a, I'll get a job somewhere else because I did win a championship two years ago. Maybe, maybe it's become, you know, I messed up some things here. All right, you guys want me out. I'll go. And the Red Sox basically do this stuff, bring in Dombrowski, and, and basically force Sherrington's hand, knowing that he's not going to like it. And, and I just think that's how it went down. Now, I'm not saying that's a bad move. I actually like the move. And I think what's pathetic is that if anybody out there today can look at this stuff and be realistic Try to, you're going to be realistic 
and then you you're gonna try to tell me that this is a stupid move on the Red Sox part? What? I don't I don't understand that. How? Why? Because you because you're afraid that Dombrowski is gonna trade some prospects for for a, a a solid pitcher? You're scared of that? Last time I checked, uh, what did the Allen Webster you know, Alan Webster, Ruby De La Rosa. I get that Wade Miley's been good, but he hasn't been that good. If you had told me two, three years ago that Alan Webster, Ruby De La Rosa package would have got you Wade Miley, I would have laughed in your fucking face. But, you know, then you trade what? Ronaldo is another prospect. There's three, there's three that we called stud prospect pitches. Ronaldo, Webster, and De La Rosa. And you got back Wade Miley and Robbie Ross Jr. in return. I mean, you know, so what? You're scared that Dombrowski might trade some young pitches? They should trade the young pitches. Now, Dombrowski said today he wasn't going to necessarily do that. I don't believe him. One, you know, he did come off as a guy who might go after David Price in free agency. He, he, he did. He came off. I, I got that vibe from Dombrowski. You know, look, I'm here first and foremost putting my resume on the fucking table, by the way. My, hey, Dave Dombrowski, you want a GM? You want someone that's going to come in there with a little Boston flavor? That's my ballpark, okay? Uh, This is my team. You want someone to come in and and tell you what needs to, not, I, I shouldn't say tell you what needs to be done, but but, you know, give you some, uh, some input on what I think should happen to get this team back. Let's do it. Let's dance. Here's my resume. Here's my resume. What do you think? Let me know what you think. Get back to me. My resume is on the fucking table at Yawkey Way. At least it should be. <laughs> if I could get it there, I would. Uh, maybe I would get it there. Look we'll at Sam Kennedy. Right? Well, maybe we'll call Sam up again. He'll think I want him on the show. I'll say, no, I want an interview. When's my, what time should I show up to Fenway tomorrow for my GM job interview? I'd like at least an interview. Give me a shot. But, you know, moving forward, I, I don't hate this move. In fact, I like it. I told you, Ben Sherrington, to me, has made some very questionable moves. And sometimes you need a change. And Dombrowski's been a guy... Here's what I'll give. I'll give Dombrowski credit. And this is the type of guy I want as my GM. And, and when you have this quality, look, sometimes, sometimes you fail. Sometimes you swing a miss. But isn't that with every GM? You go up and down GMs in all sports. So, people, they swing and miss. Okay, it happens. It's part, of, it's part of what they do. But at least when you swing and miss, you better swing and miss with some fucking balls. And what I think Dombrowski brings to the table is he brings some fucking balls to the table. Some balls that I don't think Ben Sherrington had or was going to have in the future. I think the Red Sox ownership saw that. I think they saw it. You know what? I don't think, I don't think this guy, you know, you want to get, cre- get crazy? You want to get nuts at the trade deadline? You want to sneak in, be a, get, a, get a third team in on that Cespedes trade to the Mets? Maybe... Maybe get Zach Wheeler from the Mets, maybe, right? You're going to have some balls to jump into something like that. I don't think Sherrington does. And and to be honest, I don't think he was ever going to move any of these prospects for a short thing pitcher. And I think Dombrowski is at least going to keep that option open. And he might even, I think he's going to try to do it. I don't care what he says today. He's going to try to do that. I get a feeling, and just from the things that I've seen Dombrowski do, I think he's going to be a, a guy, a president of baseball operations. Sure, he's going to hire a GM, but I think Dombrowski's running the show. That's it. Dombrowski's running the show. I think that's why Sherrington left. He knew that. Okay? And the people say, well, ownership, they're going to control this still. I, I don't think Dombrowski's coming here unless he knows he's got full control. And I think they're going to give him that. And I think when Dombrowski has full control, I think he's going to uh, control this team and the trades that he makes with some, some real fucking balls. And it's something I don't think that Ben Sherrington had when it came to making major moves that the Red Sox need to make in order to get back at the top of the AL East because they need some dominant pitching. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit around with the Boston Red Sox and tell you that they need to keep all their prospect pitches 
especially outside of Eddie Rodriguez, the two prospect pitchers we're talking about, Henry Owens and Brian Johnson, throw about 89, 90 miles per hour with their fastball. They got great off-speed stuff, but please, we live in a Major League Baseball world in which you're not going to be a dominant pitcher, or at least the odds of you being a dominant pitcher are so much better if you have an overpowering fastball. Owens, Johnson, they don't have it. You're asking me to move one of those two guys. I am doing it in a second in a package deal that could get you a proven, proven pitcher. Bring me the short thing any day of the week. And anybody that wants to get in an argument about that, you know, the only thing that you can argue is you think some of these younger prospects are going to be good. You have no idea. You know, I want a GM that's going to go out and get me the player that I know is good, that I know is dominant. And that's what the Red Sox need to do to get a pitcher. That, it, look, that's been – that's how they've been successful. It is. It's how they've been successful. And uh, I think they need to get back to it. And Dombrowski, by everything that we see, hear, read – I, I think that he's going to be that, that type of guy. I'm not going to say he's going to force a trade just to make a trade to make that big deal. No. But, he, but I do think he's going to try to do something. And I don't think he's going to look at this farm system and say, look at this untouchable, look at that untouchable, and another untouchable right there. How can you possibly look at the organization and say you have all these untouchables when you finished in last place two years in a row, three of the last four fucking years? I mean, if I'm an opposing GM and the Red Sox come to me and they want a major trade and they say, eh, we got a list of untouchables here, and I'm an opposing GM, I'm hanging up the phone. I'm saying, you know, and, you know, then you might text me. And say, what, what the fuck was that? And I'll say, what do you mean? You suck. You're going to give me a list of untouchables? Give me a break. Who the fuck do you think you are? Like, what do you think this is? You know, and I think the Sherrington era was getting closer and closer to that. Like, this guy was untouchable. This guy's untouchable. I, no, you're the Boston Red Sox. There's a reason why you can spend money, why you can eat money in contracts if they don't work out, you know? There's a reason why, why, why you make the moves you made last year with regards to the Sandoval's and uh, the Hanley Ramirez's. Did they work out right now? No, they didn't work out. But, you know, that doesn't mean you stop spending money. And that certainly doesn't mean you turn into a, a, an organization that's going to rely strictly on the farm system to be successful. Part of the prospects and, and the farm system and having a great farm system or at least playing it up to be great, right? Part of that is, needs to be an act. When, when you're an organization and a big market club like the Red Sox, part of your rebuilding process has to be, okay, we have all these prospects we can't make them all untouchable. If we can go out and get a stud starting pitcher that's going to be able to go at the top of the rotation, which is what Dombrowski basically pointed to today in his press conference and said this team needs that one guy, then you go out and make that deal. I don't care what you think a certain player is going to be. You go out and make that deal. And I don't think Ben Sherrington was going to make that deal. I think Dombrowski will. And I, I, look, I think this is a good move for the Red Sox. I do. I think it's a good move. I mean, I, I don't believe them when they say they wanted Sherrington here still. I don't believe them when they say Sherrington brought in DePoto before the team brought in Dombrowski. I don't believe Dombrowski when he said he wanted Sherrington to be a, the GM. I don't believe that one bit. But that doesn't mean I hate it. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean I hate it. Uh, the Red Sox, I think, made a good move. With Dave Dombrowski. And to be honest, I'm, I'm pretty excited as to how creative this guy might get. And, and as I mentioned, the balls that he might show us that he has in some potential moves. Some potential trades. So, we'll keep an eye on what the Red Sox will do. And again, we're not going to see any, you know, if they do make any type of trade, it's probably like an Alejandro Deaza on waivers. Going to the Dodgers, I think it was reported the other day was possible. Something like that. The major moves will happen this winter. 
Um, I think Dombrowski at the win of meetings, he'll be all in. Look, we got all these prospects. We got one of the best farm systems in baseball. That doesn't mean we keep all of them and put them all in the roster to start next season. And if you, that's what you want to do, well, you're going to be awfully disappointed when some, if not all of these prospects, don't pan out to be superstars. Right? I mean, go up and down the list. All the prospects we've seen that haven't turned out to be that. Now, there have been some recently that have turned out to be very good players. I mean, Mookie Betts, Xander Bogots, yeah, Eddie Rodriguez, he, they traded for him last year. But he, I guess he came over as a prospect and began the season in the minor league. So, officially, I guess you could call him a prospect who got called up. But I'm talking about, you know, the Red Sox, born and bred, drafted in the organization, on the Sox Prospects website, the guys that we point at, you know, sometimes you move, you got to move some of those guys if you, if, you, if you can package them together and get a dominant player that you know is dominant. Sometimes you got to make those moves. If you're a big market club like the Red Sox, they should be doing that this winter, and I think Dave Dombrowski is the guy to do it. So... Well, uh, as I said, we'll keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on the Deflategate stuff. I don't expect any type of settlement. Um, so I'm not excited about that. But I am excited about the Red Sox and their future with Dave Dombrowski at the helm. And like I said, hey, Dave, if you know somebody passes this show along to you, you say, let me listen to what some people think in the Boston area. Huh, you, my resume doesn't have anything to do with uh, being a general manager of a baseball team. But um, I can give you some ideas in the interview. Heck, just listen to this show. We'll give you some ideas. Sunny Gray. Sunny Gray. <laughs> I know people get sick of hearing me say that. Say that name, say that player, but make it happen. Okay? Make it happen. And I would give up a whole lot to make it happen. But again, you're the president of baseball operations. You got the final say, big dog. I'm just the GM. I think, see, I think Dave Dombrowski needs someone like me as a GM. Who I don't want to say he can bitch me around, but I guess I want to say he can bitch me around. Right? That's, that's what he needs. If Sherrington didn't want to be bitched around. I don't blame him. But I think the Red Sox knew that he would feel this way when they made these moves. And I don't hate it that they made the move. Sherrington stepping down. Let's, you know, Sherrington, I, I, do I think he deserved to go? Yeah, I, I do think he deserved to go. I do think the Red Sox made the right moves by bringing someone in here to oversee all this stuff. You know? And maybe Dombrowski brings in a GM that he's going to be able to bitch around. I have no idea. But with those things said, I'm going to sit here and finish this show off and wrap it up by saying, hey, credit where credit's due. Ben Sherrington, you know, he, he learned from Theo Epstein. And then in 2013, he put together a championship club. He did. He got, I mean, he put together a World Series champ. And some of the moves he made that offseason, you know, the biggest ones, you can look at the Shane Victorino signing. You can look at the Mike Napoli signing. I mean, I, I know that, that people questioned that offseason, but... You know, Napoli, Victorino, they're gone as well. And uh, I basically look at their short careers in a Red Sox uniform and being part and a major part of that championship team in 2013. I say, instead of knocking them on the way out, I say, thank you. Without them, the Red Sox don't win. And Sherrington brought those guys in. So Sherrington needs to be applauded and acknowledged for what he did in 2013. There's no question. Look, we know what, what happened in the other years. Okay, when he was the top dog at the helm and the top GM, we know what happened. And the last two years have been ugly. And this year specifically was as ugly as you could get when you had, you know, an off season to fix what happened after maybe a hangover year after a World Series. And he didn't fix it. In fact, he made it worse. And that can't happen. Not in this town. So Sherrington's gone. I will say thank you for the 2013 championship club that you put together. But at the end of the day, 
uh, it was time for a change. And when you make this change, I am glad that it is someone like Dave Dombrowski, who, at least to me, comes off as a guy who has the balls to make a major move that, well, he kind of told us today that he wouldn't make that move right away. But just as he said he wanted Ben Sherrington to be the GM, I don't really believe him on either point. That's not a bad thing. Sometimes you got to lie to get what you want. Which means that sometimes you also got to lie about all the top prospects that you have in order to sell them high. It's part of the business. And I hope that he handles it that way. I'm here five days a week, dannypicard.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere. You get a podcast. I was supposed to be on TV tonight. I got bumped once again. They got big stories. I'm not one of their bigger top dogs. Okay, Comcast Sportsnet, they don't want me on tonight. That's fine. I can understand. One day, I told them one day I'll be in that spot where, uh, you know, they will maybe be cutting someone else to call me to come in. Um, But... It is what it is, right? Not going to get too worked up about it. It happens. To be honest with you, I've been up at 4.30 a.m. the last couple days. I could use some sleep. Uh, I could use maybe not going in to TV tonight at 10 o'clock and, and falling asleep on TV. So maybe it is a good thing. Uh, but I'll be back here on this podcast tomorrow. DannyPicard.com. Again, subscribe on iTunes. And anyway, anyway, you get a podcast. Tomorrow is a violent gentleman Thursday. Working on a special guest still for you and for the next couple days and then on Friday I will be here a SummerSlam preview yes a preview SummerSlam which is this Sunday at the Barclays in New York City Uh, I'm out talk to you tomorrow